Somewhere across the Bifrost Way up high You know, Pat Robert Frost once said, Come with rain, oh loud southwester, Bring the singer, bring the nester, Give the buried flower a dream, Make the settled snowbank steam. And today I thought that was apropos because we're talking about spring into Marvel, and in particular, Guardians of the Galaxy, which is a very large event that was run out there in the UK, which is across the world for me. But first, Pat, how are you doing? I'm doing very well, thanks, TT. I've just got back from the event. It thankfully was a bit closer to home for me than it was for you. Yeah, I was going to make it, and then I just woke up late. I wasn't going to be able to make it there in time, so I just decided to slag the whole thing. But we, of course, have to do Sleeve and Raheven before we dive into that. And Pat, you had uh, some interesting cards you wanted to cover? Yeah, this is a pair of cards that we have not spoken on the podcast since way back in the Ant-Man and Wasp box review. And that was a long time ago, right, TT? That was maybe like two years ago. And in that time, you occasionally get questions from people on the Discord asking about these cards. Are they good? Um, And they're so similar, I wanted to cover them together. So those two cards that we're going to talk about are No Escape and Reversal that both come in the same box. So No Escape is an unaffiliated reactive card during an enemy character's activation when it begins a move action and is within range two of two or more allied characters. Before the enemy character moves, both allied characters may spend one power each to play this card. Before the move is resolved, roll four dice and you deal one damage for every hit, wild and crit rolled. So that's an average of two damage. But any weapons uh, are Isn't it just crit and wild? You're right. I read the damage symbol as a hit symbol. Apologies. Deal one damage for every crit and wild rolled. So that's an average of one to two damage, but could be up to four. Um, then reversal is once again an unaffiliated reactive card. After an attack that targeted an allied character is resolved, another allied character within range three of the attacking character can spend two power to play this card. Roll four dice, deal one damage for each wild and crit rolled. So two cards that react in very specific circumstances to do some damage to your opponent during their activations. Yep, uh, that's what these are. Um... (laughs) So let's talk about No Escape, because there's some obvious comparisons to my favorite character in the game, which is Mysterio, um, Mm. and his tricks and traps. And it is obviously very similar. Um, It is harder to trigger by a long stretch, right? Tricks and traps triggers within range three. It only needs one character. This takes a total of two power. Mysterio's only takes... uh, Mysterio's does take three. Mysterio also gets a short move out of it. Um, But the, the activation opportunities for no escape seem low now you could do it on something like gamma or anything where i expect to be a researcher anything where i expect to be grouped up in the middle but the payoff is so lackluster um and i want to go ahead pat no i just you've just hit on it right and i don't want us to spend forever talking about these two cards because dear listeners tt i have to confess i think these are two of the cards in the running for the title of worst tactics card in the game. And the first reason for that is the lackluster payoff, right? If this card just said, 
Play at any time for zero power. Roll four dice. Do a damage for every wild and crit. Would you take it? Because I wouldn't. I'd th- I I would situationally take it. Yes, yeah, so you'd situationally want a tactics card that did an average of a damage. Yeah. Yeah, right? Super situational. But these cards are so far away from that because the setup is like the barrier is like higher than almost any other card in the game, right? Like no escape that you just mentioned. You have to have you have to set up two of your characters within range two of the enemy and they both have to have the power on them. And then your opponent has to decide to move. A move like action, to be clear. Th- Not even a move. Right, a move action. So they cut. There's loads of ways they could escape it, right? And heaven forbid they do that first to get outside of range two. Or maybe if they really want to get away, maybe they have a throw or a push for one of these two characters within range two of them, right? Maybe they go, okay, fair enough. I've got one health left. I guess I'll attack your characters instead. And that's maybe the best case scenario for you. Um, well, I suppose the best case scenario is your opponent forgets about it and you kill them. But the best realistic scenario is your opponent's like, all right, fair enough. I've got my character on one hit point. I'll attack you instead. And then you still run the risk of if they attack you and daze one of the characters, let alone pushes, throws, etc., then they can still walk away. Right? There's so many hoops you've got to jump through to get this pretty lackluster payoff. Right. And reversal has the same problem, which is you have to do a lot of stuff to achieve very little. Um, And the reason I wanted to talk about these two cards is because I think they're a good lesson or a good reminder of something we talk about a lot in Sleeve It or Heave It, which is the the cost of playing the card, both in terms of power cost, but also positioning and setup cost. Right. And do those things justify the payoff? And sometimes cards have a really big setup cost, but a really big payoff and they're good. This card has one of the worst payoffs and one of the highest setup costs. Yeah, reversal is easier to set up, but it's still just like it's well, another character. It's fine; it can happen. Yeah, it's just not great. Yeah, is it easier to set up? So to set up, no escape. I move two characters than two of you, um, and I have to wait for you to take a move action, right? And reversals after an attack targeting ally character. Uh, resolve another character within three may spend two so you just yeah. have to keep your team within three so i think reversal is easier to set up yes i think that might be fair but because it's within three we're, of the attacking character your opponent has a lot of agency to disrupt your plan either way right, right? we're splitting hairs here 100 percent. but like mm-hmm. um and like we talked about they're just they're just there's not good we're heaving it do we have to talk about them more uh the last thing i wanted to say is obviously Damaging during an activation can be a big payoff. But also, if your opponent, like in any of these situations, if your target has more than four stamina remaining, you're giving them power during their activation. And yeah, more than four not... is real generous. Like one yeah. hit point is when I would consider these. Where I'm like, okay, maybe I can pick up a cheeky daze right. or a KO, right? But like anything else, it's just like, why am I doing this? This yeah. doesn't make any sense. But imagine the situation where they've got three stamina left. The chance of you dazing them is tiny chance of you giving them one or two extra power during their activation is high and that can also be a big deal and it can actively dissuade you from using the card even when you achieve the setup and even when you would be able to use it now i do want a slight disclaimer out there and i want to bubble this out there i like out of i like out of attack ways to do damage to people Mm -hmm. we're going to talk about this a bit in guardians so i understand why people look at these cards 
But again, the big thing Pat and I are saying is look at the opportunity cost, look at how hard it can do, and then it is not like it's a low chance that we're going to get damage to run these things. Yeah, absolutely. So we're both heaving these cards, right, TT? Yep, yep, sadly. Yeah, but it's good that it exists because they're great examples of what to avoid in a tactics card. Make sure your bar for entering your roster is higher than these cards. So, Pat, the world's kind of opened up again. COVID has gone into... I'm not a doctor, not even like a Dr. Norbert doctor, full disclosure. Uh, But events are opening up in both of our places. People are meeting up. Bigger events are meeting up. And that's great. And I was invited to this 128-person Marvel event out there in the UK, which sadly I couldn't make. I understand you didn't get the 120, but it was still the largest one run in the UK so far, right, Pat? Yeah, it was a big event. Um, And obviously, Marvel is growing now all around the world, which is great. I think it's a similar size to some of the larger US events. It had about 60 players, um, which is encouraging, I'd say. Is it? Yeah, a good start for sure. And um, it was run by Tony Moore, big community organizer around the Midlands um, in the UK, hosted at Element Games in Stockport, which is just outside of Manchester. Um, Really fun event. It was a two-dayer, seven rounds over two days. Um, And because of its size, relative to everything that's come before it, it attracted a lot of the diehard MCP players from the UK, right? There was a lot of um, internet faces that I've spoken to on Discord, um, and it was great to meet everybody in person. So I do have a, <clears throat> a couple questions just here. Um, what are your international travel restrictions looking like? Did you have people from different countries coming in, or is that still hard to do? So, yeah, this was one of the reasons why the event didn't fill up, right? We, As far as I'm aware, we had zero international travelers, Okay, um, which is a shame. And obviously quite unusual compared to larger events in the UK I've played in other war games. And I really hope that that changes. I had spoken to some of the MCP players um, in Europe prior to the event, and there was definitely interest in coming along. But turning that into reality with uh, COVID and real life is, is tough, right? Okay. And I just wasn't sure, you know, what that really looked like there. So, um no, that, that, that's a phenomenal turnout. So um, it, that many people, did you play a full Swiss then? Must have been multiple days, right, in order to get all those games in? Yeah, so this is one of the things that maybe differs from uh, UK events and the kind of culture we have to the US, right? And I know that it might sound a bit crazy to UTT, but when we run these kind of events, they're not a con, right? You go just specifically for that event. You don't have, like, side events and other things happening. So what that means is... We play all the rounds and no one drops. We play seven rounds, regardless of how many players there are, right? We've signed up to play seven games of MCP and we're going to play seven games of MCP, um, which actually means that with the numbers of players we had, like in order to do a full Swiss and have one winner, we only needed six rounds. Mm-hmm. So we knew going in that it was going to be a slightly wacky situation toward the end where we would have an undefeated player at the end of round six, but we were still going to play another round. And the person who went undefeated at round six might then lose and be knocked out of the the top spot uh, by somebody else. But, I mean, that's absolutely fine. That is the price we paid to get an extra round of games in. And it was a price that was happily paid because this is one of those events that, as well as being competitive, is also about community, right? And Tony really emphasized that by doing a lot of really cool stuff um, 
to encourage people to do different things. So we had prizes for fancy dress, prizes for painting, prizes for bringing terrain and tables. And we had a bunch of people competing for best table with all of the cool MCP terrain that they'd made for their clubs and for home. Um, And so obviously that added a lot to the event and it had a really, really good display of all of those things, um, which is fantastic, right? And adds to the fun. Did you dress up then, Pat? No, I didn't. I mean, that's definitely something that I could improve upon for sure. I did get to battle Ronin uh, in round two. You know, that's uh, when Hawkeye goes bad, he becomes Ronin. And yeah. he was playing Avengers and he had Hawkeye on the table. And man, that Hawkeye was real good. So it could be that um, costumes are a secret tech and I need to get on board that plan. So yeah, jump in the Discord. Let us know who Pat should dress up as. I think I think Doctor Strange, but we'll see what we come up with there. So it sounds like a fun event. And I, I like that you commit to seven rounds, especially when you're going to travel to something, you're going to end up in a hostel or a hotel, right? I like that you're guaranteed X amount of games, um, kind of instead of the ambiguous nature. And there, America's shifting a little bit is what I'll say. There are some larger events now that aren't tied to conventions, kind of similar mm-hmm. to how 40K honestly works. Um, but I do think our biggest ones are still conventions and that's just a, it's, I don't know if it's going away. That's like, uh, I think it's probably one of the, one of the rights of us in amendments. So, um, good information there for the, the people in America about how kind of the events are run. Uh, so seven rounds, you said it was run over two days. Yeah. Two days. And look, they, they you could have done variations, right? You could have actually cut to a top eight for day two, four games on day one. We played three games on day two. Um, but yeah, seven rounds in total. Yeah, and like you said, there's a lot of, if you cut, then what's everyone else doing on day two, right? You almost have to run a separate side event for them, right? Maybe they break out in draft or something like that. So I like that everyone's just guaranteed the seven days uh, for for the price of entry there. So I understand that you did pretty well in the event, right? And you ended up playing Guardians, is that right? Yep, so I played Guardians of the Galaxy. I ended up winning the event. I went 7-0, and undefeated for the weekend, which I'm really, really pleased about. And it was really fun to play the Guardians. Um, it was a breath of fresh air for me because... For the last couple of months, I've been playing, actually for longer, for a long time now, I've basically been playing all Avengers all the time. And I adore the Avengers. I get a lot of fun out of playing like Sam Wilson, Captain America, Iron Man, um, all of like the the cheap Avengers, like the B-tier Avengers. Um, I really like playing those teams. Um, And Guardians has a similar feel of playing like plucky underdogs, right? And having those wider teams with lots of scrappy characters. Um, and it just made, for me, changing my affiliation and trying something new made things so enjoyable. Yeah, and Guardians was one of the um, lists you recommended I test between the end of the season and the cuts, which I lost in the first round, if anyone doesn't know. Rich Mid, who was at the event and you played, mm-hmm. uh, gave me a pretty thorough spanking with Guardians. Guardians was one of the ones I tested. I just didn't feel with my crazy work schedule, I got enough times or repetitions in with them, but they have been a ton of fun in the games I was playing with them. And if you want to just roll dice, I, they're probably the best affiliate to just throw dice at people with. Them or, I mean, Black Order and Brotherhood are still up there too. Yeah, they have a really good cheap affiliated characters that do good damage right and in particular star lord rocket nebula all do excellent damage for their price point gamora as a full threat is maybe not cheap but does excellent damage for her price point and then when you throw in star lord's new and improved winging leadership on top to give re-rolls you can dish out really 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 good damage um 
aside from those team members, though, I've also found Groot is fantastic now. The changes to Groot have been so strong. Like reducing um, I am Groot to five power from six doesn't sound like a big deal, but it really matters a lot in practice. And he gets to declare that he is Groot very frequently during games. Um, and I mean, that attack is incredible, right? Eight dice, medium throw guaranteed, stagger guaranteed. It basically wipes out a character or completely nullifies the next activation as they remove stagger and, and waddle back to where they were. I believe uh, he's the only character that can throw Dormammu, right? Um, but no, let me tell you, because I had two other characters in my roster that could bully Dormammu. I had Winter Soldier, who granted his Red Fury is only a push, not a throw, but I think... That's not you know, the same thing at all. Well, it's a push. It's a seven dice push with an assault rifle. It feels kind of like, you know, better than a throw in a lot of ways, but yeah. Um, and most importantly, I had Thanos, the Mad Titan, who's wild on his strike, throws anything, even Dormammu. Um, and I've been talking about how I like Guardians, but Thanos was the real MVP of my team. Um, in recent, uh, in a recent ACS we had TT, you and I were talking about the rise of Thanos, right? And how you can kind of slot him into anywhere. And we talked a little bit about putting reality space Thanos in Guardians. And that's exactly what I did for this event, right? That's eight threat Thanos with two gems. Reality is the dice manipulation gem that lets you count as skull as a crit. And space uh, lets you teleport an ally, including Thanos himself, range two. And this character is bananas. He's fast. He's got great control. He's incredibly tough. He does incredibly good damage. And he works really, really well with winging it tokens and with the cheap affiliated characters of Guardians so that you're not necessarily condemned to playing fewer characters than your opponent, right? You can do a five-wide team at 17 threat with Thanos in Guardians where you throw in Star-Lord, uh, Nebula, Rocket as a seven threat team and then a two threat unaffiliated character like Toad or Bullseye, what have you. All right, so I want to step back for just a minute here, Pat. So when you took Guardians, I think we do the same thing we do in affiliation review, right? You're looking at what's the low to the ground, what's the minimum kind of affiliated, viable affiliated product we can kind of put out there. What is the three characters, right, or four sometimes that we like from a threat value? And you're saying that we have good flexibility there. You're happy taking any combination of Star-Lord, Rocket, Groot, Nebula. Nebula. Okay. Yeah, I also had Drax as another cheap guardian and, nice. and Winter Soldier, who is function, you know, he's a rogue agent, he's three threat. So I had a lot of cheap affiliated character options. We both value the leadership very highly. I mean, anyone I think who's played Guardians values it highly, right? If you're gonna run any kind of attacking team, getting mm -hmm. those two free rerolls um on three characters once per round is huge. And if you roll really well, it's not like you waste them, you can just use them for defensive rerolls. So the wing tokens are obviously great value there. Um, affiliated tactics cards. I don't think you or I love them. I know. Well, okay. We're going to just the affiliated. So we're talking crew of the Milano and lovable misfits. Yeah. Uh, Rich used lovable misfits against it. was the best lovable misfits I've ever seen. Uh, I don't like the card just because of the uncertainty kind of tied around it. Um, but we, I think we're both high on deadly duo and we are Groot. So I think we both like those cards yeah. and it does almost break our rule about how many affiliated cards we want per character, right? Because that's two cards side to Groot. Groot, he, yeah. He doesn't do the best job of generating his own power if he's not getting attacked. Um, 
Yeah, it's a little bit difficult. I think the tactics card selection is the biggest weakness of the Guardians team because I don't like lovable misfits and I really dislike Crew of the Milano from a competitive point of view, right? Um, with Crew of the Milano, this is the card where you can remove special conditions um, and become immune to them for a round. Um, that is situationally useful. The problem is twofold. Firstly, it only works on the Guardian's characters. And, I mean, I was running Thanos as my all-star, right? I can't remove the conditions from Thanos, and Thanos is the character that most suffers from the conditions being placed on him. And I think Guardians in general have this problem with lots of different lists, because I've run, like, Ghost Rider Guardians, right? I've run Hulk Guardians. It's really... I think one of the things that's great about Guardians is they work so well splashing in a powerful unaffiliated character, but Crew of the Milano just doesn't help with that plan at all. And in some ways is counter to it because if you have Crew of the Milano, that's even more incentive for your opponent to put the conditions on that big character that can't have them removed as opposed to other targets. Um, so going real deep on Crew of the Milano, I thought I would want it for Web Warriors, but turns out when... When the Web Warrior player spends three power to slow my whole team, affiliated, unaffiliated, and gets an activation where they get incredible damage output, feels real bad to then spend my card <laughs> and a power on every character for some of them to then take away the slow. And my opponent has still applied slow on powerful characters that they can beat up and has got an activation's worth of bonus damage and we've traded equal amounts of cards and power. Like, it's just not, it's not a good trade-off. So even in that situation where it, it counters a card, it just it just doesn't doesn't work effectively enough. So the only counterpoint there is you can play crew ahead of time, right? Because crew prevents you from suffering special conditions this round. Yes. If you have priority, and that's the double-edged sword of guardians, though, right? Yes, because one, guardians aren't very good at getting priority, especially if you're running all affiliated characters where they're cheap. And two, the counter-counterpoint is, well, then you've spent crew with Milano, and your opponent's like, okay, I'm not going to use all webbed up this turn but I still use it next turn. And you spent a card to delay my card a turn. Is that worth it once again? Maybe, but maybe not. Um, so all of this means I just don't think it matches up well into things like All Webbed Up. Um, it's not as good. So you're can't taking a counter card that is wor like, it's worse than the card you're countering even when you play them together. So for me, Crew of the Milano was out. I, I heaved that one out of my 10. And I did take Lovable Misfits. But I found it was not great for me because I was so often running Thanos. And Thanos is eight threat. And that's like two or three Guardians characters I wasn't taking every roster, right? Um, and so I was usually only running three, sometimes four Guardians. And um, it just was not really enough for Lovable Misfits to be great. And I, I took it a couple of times and it was pretty mediocre. And I was happy not to take it in most of my games. Yeah, and I think that's the other issue with crew, right? Crew only helps with the Guardian models. So if we're taking Thanos, if we're taking Ghost Rider, if we're taking Bucky Barnes, right? Crew doesn't help them there. So you ended up with one affiliated card. You had both the soft affiliated cards and We Are Groot and Deadly Duo. No, I actually heaved We Are Groot in the end just because Ooh. I wanted to make room for other things. I do think We Are Groot is great. We talked about it in a recent, uh, in that Thanos episode, right? Um, and I think it's strong. But... Um, when it came down to it, I just decided I needed the other cards more. I was taking Medpack, and I decided I didn't need both. Now, absolutely, you can make the argument that I should have had Medpack be a different restricted card, and I should have kept Real Groot. But I, liked the f I always wanted to be able to heal Thanos, 
And I didn't want to force myself to take root in every single roster to do that. And I'm sorry, Pat, what restricted cards did you end up with? Med pack and field dressing. Okay. So med pack is because Thanos is my plan A. And field dressing is it's a great card, but it's so good in Guardians, right? It's so nice to be able to field dressing Drax and then have him Titan Killer with five extra dice. So good to field dressing Groot and then have him heal afterwards. It, it's And obviously it's also nice as an insurance policy if your opponent has priority and they do manage to daze Thanos to be able to bring him back and then medpack him. All right, so we're, we're high on the Guardians affiliated roster. We're high on their leadership. We're... Yep. Yeah, I'm going to say middle of the road on their tactics because we yeah, do I like... I think their tactics are like a, a C. I think they're below average, but I think uh, the team, the total sum of the team is great. It's really we're excellent. Gonna put that, we're going to put that in the Ryland chart um, of Pat rating things. Um, and then really though, what we were kind of talking about though is Guardians really has a couple unaffiliated all-stars for lack of a better term we can slot in. And the short list there is is... Ghost Rider and Thanos? Am I missing someone else you think should be included here? I, I don't think you want to include too many in your roster. I don't think you've got enough room to include more than, say, three expensive characters. And you have a lot of cheap characters, and then maybe you have one or two fours. Um, but I think the roster kind of skews lots of cheap stuff and lots of expensive stuff. And you pick the expensive stuff you want and then pair it with the cheap stuff is the general plan. Um, and the ones that I've personally played, Hulk, Thanos, Ghost Rider have all been excellent but actually i think you could make a case for any like really powerful expensive character um and angela in affiliation is also um perfectly good and she offers a lot of play on a lot of different crises she maybe doesn't have the raw damage output of those other characters but she gives you a lot of extra scenario game Yeah, Angela's always been an interesting one. Uh, but her scenario presence, I mean, you you, you can't deny that, right? So we talked about Thanos a little bit. You really like um, reality space here. And really, the, the at the core here, we're talking about Thanos is able to functionally get himself a charge. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's able to pull you in from really far away still because he can still portal enemies or portal friendlies. And then reality, he's just getting a lot of value out of, I'm going to count one crit, at, I'm going to count one failure, excuse me, as a crit, I'm getting two winget tokens and I'm punching you for six dice twice with a wild throw, right? So it's just a lot of value getting out of that. And if you get in this weird situation, you can dump power out with his builder, but I assume that you're spending power as much as you can with um, Death's Decree, right? Just giving your your, your, your buddy some power or yeah. attack dice. Yeah, you end up using the strike almost all the time because you want to generate power, right? Because Thanos spends power so well. But of course... The um the gauntlet attack is range three and you use it sometimes. It's energy. It's not bad, um, but yeah, because every two power you get is a portal or a death decree, and both of those are incredible. You just want to make power spend it, make power spend it. And um, the thing about reality space on Thanos is he secretly has better power generation than if he had the power gem or the soul gem. Because reality space lets him reliably double attack every turn and do reliably high damage with those attacks to generate more power. So it's really common for him to like start on his three power for the turn, punch somebody, now be at like eight power, spend it all to move people around, punch somebody again, go up to like four more power, and then be able to sit on those for death decrees. 
Yeah, and the other nice thing about the build as I was playing and testing him, it makes it much harder for the ignore Thanos plan. Mm-hmm. Any of the plans, just like throw them away, move them away, ignore them. It's a lot harder to do when, to your point, A, he's hitting harder. Yep. And B, he has this innate way to get himself back into matches, mm-hmm. right, that the non-space version doesn't have. So it, it's it's a great uh, it's a great package there with Thanos himself, uh, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And not only is ignoring him harder, but he's also just outrageously hard to kill because reality works on his defensive dice. He's got his Thanos damage reduction, right? One from everything, no matter what. And he's got winging it tokens. So um, when you couple that with the fact that if you need to, you can activate him first in your round, it's very unlikely that he um, is go is not going to get... Um, to activate every turn and do powerful things. And actually, between all of that defensive stuff and med pack and sacrifice, which I had in my uh, 10, um, I never had Thanos get dazed in the entire event, even when my opponent's primary plan was to try and kill him. Mm, that's impressive. Yeah, it was r- real strong. Um, so I liked him a lot. Um, he was really powerful and fun. Uh, I ended up playing Thanos in six games. Um, I didn't play him at 14 threat. I played a five wide team. Uh, but maybe we should just quickly mention my roster TT. What do you think? Yeah, that sounds great. Yeah, so um, my characters were Angela, Drax, Groot, Nebula, Rocket, and Star-Lord as my guardians. And then unaffiliated, I had Thanos with Space and Reality Gems, Mystique, Toad, and Winter Soldier. So that's the characters. Um, And I got some questions about this because technically this roster is triple affiliated. And it might, TT, it could conceivably play all those affiliations, right? Because Mystique, Toad, Winter Soldier lineup for the Brotherhood leadership. Right, that's three affiliated characters. You can play Brotherhood at basically any threat level because you've got Angela and Thanos, right? (laughs) Um, You can play up to five wide Brotherhood at any threat if you want Mystique's leadership over Guardians. And actually... I think there was one round where I should have done that. I didn't because I wanted to play Guardians in every round. But I think it was the right choice playing into Web Warriors on Sword at 14 threat, where I could have been either th- affiliation. I had no affiliated cards. I went for Guardians, but um, Mystique's leadership might have been better. And um, you can legitimately play Thanos, Winter Soldier, and one other character if you want to have a low model team on low threat values. Right, and you can play like a sixteen threat team of Thanos, Angela, Winter Soldier, for example, and like mix it up. I didn't do that, but it seems okay. Like I don't think it's outrageous. Uh, yeah, I mean, if it, it depends on the matchup and the crisis, but sure, I could see a chance where you could do it. I mean, Thanos' leadership is real good. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, you have to really want Thanos' leadership over Star Lord at that point, right? Because Winter Soldier could be Star Lord, and then Angela, Thanos, and Star Lord will get rerolls every turn. Personally, I think that's better. So personally, I don't see myself playing Black Order there. But I wouldn't fault you if you liked it and you preferred the VPs. Maybe if you're battling grunts or something. So what tactics did you end up taking along with these characters there, Pat? Yeah, so uh, the tactics were Blind Obsession, Deadly Duo, Deception, Follow Me, Lovable Misfits, Indomitable, Mission Objective, Sacrifice, with the restricted cards being Field Dressing and Med Pack. Did you have Mark for Death? Did I miss that? Mark for Death came out of the list. Okay. I mean, all of these cards exist for specific reasons, right? And I would have liked Mark for Death. Um, I wish I had it. 
but I valued everything else more. And once again, this is because I'm slightly skewed because I'm planning to play Thanos every time. And when I'm planning to play Thanos every time, I'm always taking med pack. I'm always taking field dressing. And I prefer Indomitable and Follow Me as options when I have Thanos to um, Mark for Death. And so there were just enough situations where even when Mark for Death would be good, it wasn't quite good enough to be the fifth card because Thanos was hoovering up a lot of card real estate. No, that makes sense. So a clear plan there. Let's just round it out, Pat. What tactics should you have taken with this Guardians roster? Yeah, so my crises were on the secures, Demons Downtown, Gamma Wave, and Sword Base. And for extracts, I had Fear Grips, that's the Worthy Hammers, Research Station, and the Montessi Formula Found. All right, let's talk about your secures real quick, because one of the questions I see the most on Discord is, is Crisis, <laughs> right? Like, how do we end up with Crisis? So I think it's interesting. You took one of the slowest, one of the fastest, and then a sword to me is the interesting one, which is normally things you don't want to see with Thanos. There's a mm -hmm. way in the crisis to push Thanos. And then um, it, it's one where not everyone's pulled together, right? There's three points, obviously. Thanos is fast enough to move between them, especially with space. But So how did we end up? What was your rationale behind each one of these? Yeah, so great question. I picked each of these crises with a plan in mind. And it wasn't about, is my team fast or slow? So I will pick the fastest or the slowest. It was thinking about, what can my team do in all these situations? How good is their plan? Do I think it's better than my opponent's plan? So on demons, um, my team is incredibly good at murdering, loves people being incinerated, and is happy to play a fighty game into basically everybody. So I thought demons, yeah, I can I can play anyone on this crisis and be very happy. Um, for Gamma, it was the same. Even though Gamma is fast, because I can take Reality Thanos, and even at 15 threat, I can play Star-Lord, Nebula, Rocket, Reality Space Thanos. Like, the problem you face against Thanos, right, when he is that kind of Thanos, is you cannot put models onto the center line of the table until he's activated. It's just too dangerous, right? The risk is too high. If you move a model to the middle gamma shelter before my squad has really got going and used a bunch of activations, then what happens is Thanos space gems himself forwards. He cosmic portals you, and now he's in range to strike you. You see how that strike goes. This is a strike with reality gem and winging it tokens, right? Let's see how that strike goes. Maybe it will one-shot you. That happened plenty of times over the weekend, right? And then if it doesn't, well, I'll make a judgment about what to do next, right? How much power have I just generated? Somewhere between zero and like five. Um, and so maybe if I've left you on one health and I've got five power, I'll advance and I will cosmic portal all of the guardians forwards. And then they will collectively murder that character Thanos pulled in. Thanos will be sitting in the middle and then they will also threaten to murder anyone else that comes up. If this happens later in the round, maybe I'll advance and move every other character you've activated off all the gamma points into the radiation. Because after a space gem and a single advance, I can reach your back gamma shelter with cosmic portals, right? And then, so basically, you just can't do any of that. So you have to wait for your before th for Thanos to go before you move into the middle. And I've got four characters, so probably you have last activation, but not necessarily. Let's assume you do. Then Thanos goes second to last, 
um, before your last activation. He um, sits on that point um, alongside Groot. If you push Groot off, he moves Groot back on. And then he invites you to put a character in his face. It's not really worth it, right? So you're kind of in the situation where if you aggressively fight over the gamma, Thanos kills you. And if you don't, the Guardians score more points than you. And then they just kill you next round doing the same plan, right? Thanos activates first. He pulls in a character and kills them and teleports all of your team backwards from your back gamma shelter into your deployment zone. Yeah, so Guardians on Gamma makes a ton of sense, adding exactly what you said with Space Thanos. It's, it's clear you had a plan there. What, what about the other ones, Pat? Sword was a mistake. Oh boy, do I regret taking Sword. Whew, that sucked. I had to play it three times and I hated every single game. You had to play wow. it three times from your Crisis deck? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was really kicking myself. <laughs> so, <laughs> so look, here's what I thought. Here was my thinking with Sword. This was a late change to the roster and the one I played the least before the event. And I was thinking, okay, I've added Mystique to my roster and I've got Deception. Mystique with Deception on Sword is awesome. And this is true. She's incredible because you can put her in the middle of the table. And this is once again, an example of a plan, right? Very specific plan. I take Mystique, I put her in the middle of the table. Wherever my opponent goes to secure a sword, like one of the flanks at some point during the round, whichever one happens first, whichever one they commit to first, I double move Mystique to that point. I play Deception. I move them off into my Guardians team, and then I flip the point for free. So I've swung that point back in my favor, and now any Guardians that haven't activated can murder that character. And on Sword, it's often a bunch of cheap, fragile characters fighting each other, and it's quite easy for Rocket, Star-Lord, Winter Soldier, whoever it might be, to just gun them down with winging it tokens. So Mystique does that plan great. And I thought, okay, I've added Mystique, so I'm better at Sword than I otherwise would be. I think I'm better at sword than most people. I've got tons of cheap characters. I've got lots of choice for how I make 14 threat teams. I'll do it. But sword is still super random. <laughs> and it's so punishing when you don't um, win those flips. And on top of that, Thanos is not very good on sword, right? And I did play Thanos on sword when it was more than 14 threat. Like I pick sword with priority and my opponent chose a different threat level and Thanos sitting in the middle was okay but it was by far the worst of the secure plans and I think I would swap it out for something else yeah swords uh I also have a love-hate relationship with sword base but okay glad to hear I'm sorry you pulled it three times it's a lot but it just, <laughs> just kind of happens it does and I only have myself to blame uh, I think I would probably swap it now for um Seals Collapse, the 19, the same map layout, right? But the 19 threat crises where you just secure normally on C and you can teleport between them. Um, I think that is a good way of just doing fighting and keeping things slow. And Thanos loves all of the crises where people don't want to go into the middle. Would you consider scoundrels or no? I don't mind scoundrels, out? but the big problem with scoundrels is my guard uh, so, like Rocket and Star Lord are the two guardians I take the most, and they can sit on the back points, but then they spend all game shooting into people with cover, and it makes them a lot worse. Mm -hmm. Thanos is good in scoundrels, but I think the supporting guardians aren't. I think you could play scoundrels in a different team, uh, but I don't love it in guardians. That's fair. I was just curious. 
Yeah. Uh, obviously, I, I didn't get as far as you were making the roster, but it was one of the ones I was noodling on. Um, yeah, and we liked it a lot playing Avengers Thanos, right? And I think it's excellent in the Avengers Thanos build where your core characters all ignore cover with their ranged attacks. Yeah, yeah. Makes a lot more sense. Yeah. Uh, okay, so w- uh, what about your extracts? How did they play out? So, Fear Grips, Worthy Hammers, was freaking great. Oh, yeah. boy, was this good. Um, because... The simple game plan is Thanos deploys in the dead center of the table. And if you don't have a way to get to a hammer, take it and run away, then you can't take ham- You can't get any of the hammers. Because what will Thanos do? He will space gem himself towards you. He will then pick up the, ham- the, the central back hammer that he deployed opposite, which is still in range of him, to get an extra dice. He has two power left. He advances once. He pulls you in. And he seven dice reality winging it token strikes you with the wild throw. And then, because you've had to do this as your first activation, if you want a hammer, the rest of the Guardians can all shoot you with winging tokens. It doesn't matter who you are, you die. And then they pick up the hammer you got, and they collect three hammers out of four. So, you, unless you can run away, you kind of have to let the Guardians take three of the four hammers, um, which is not what you want. I also have one game where um, my opponent was aware of this, and they were savagely playing around it, but they had to concede me taking th- those three hammers. Um, but I'd taken the two side ones and they they were leaving their home hammer to last. And as my last activation, Thanos activated, teleported forward, took my hammer, double moved and took my opponent's hammer. And he was like, okay, you've got one character left. They can attack me if you like. I'm Thanos. They do one damage. Thanos now activates in the middle of your team with two hammers. And what does he do? Well, he punches a bunch of characters to death, then teleports everyone else away. And it's it's a really tough spot to be in. So Thanos' hammer plans, really good. And a lot of the Guardians love having hammers. I had a bunch of rapid fire characters, right? Winter Soldier and Mystique. Um, so lots of ways to take advantage of those hammers outside of Thanos. Um, for the other extracts, Research Station is incredible for Thanos for exactly the same reason that Gamma is. You just have Thanos go last in the middle and win it. Um, And you even get to upgrade Nebula into somebody else, right? Nebula can become Groot or Winter Soldier or Drax. They're all great on Research Station for different reasons. Um, And you can pick whichever one you think is going to be best. I like Groot because then you get to have Deadly Duo with Rocket, and that's always fun. Um, And then um, Montessi Formula... Definitely the worst of my extracts, but I didn't want one that was too fast or too punishing for Thanos. And I didn't love Spider Infected for that reason. Too many points to score and Thanos hates being moved. And I didn't love... um, Oh, and also Rocket hates to be moved and Star-Lord doesn't love it. The Guardians don't really like Spider Infected, I think. Um, And um, Cubes has this problem as well where Groot loves holding Cubes. And Star-Lord can put up with it, and so can Drax. But like Rocket, who I take so often, has only got three stamina. So you're condemning... As soon as you pick up a cube with Rocket, you're condemning yourself to at some point dazing your character and losing a victory point. And it does not feel good. And you don't want to start putting lots of damage on Thanos, right? You want him to be able to hoover up extracts without worrying about getting himself killed. And that auto-damage is a good way to overcome his otherwise ridiculous defenses. So I took Montessi. Um, Not great if someone can steal the middle before I go. But even in those situations, Thanos is pretty good at putting them back in and, and like making them pay for it. Um, and it played out absolutely fine. Um, 
I have mixed feelings about the book um, energy beams because Thanos with an energy beam is superb. But when your opponent fires an energy beam into Rocket and Groot and you have to put two energy attacks into Groot, it feels real bad. So I don't know. That one could be swapped out, but I'm not sure what I would change it for. So I've actually, I personally ended up leaning towards Montessi over Ships and Scrolls. Mm. And my logic there is when things go sideways in Ships and Scrolls, they go sideways harder. And while Thanos is good at dogging those characters down, when stuff goes sideways in Montessi, I'm like, okay, you dazed Rocket and Groot. That's that's fine. That is that is more recoverable, right? When yes. it's character X has the scroll and they're in the back corner of the table, like this is harder to deal with. Yeah, Thanos can move himself back there, but it's just a... Uh, it's so so really I understand you want, you're skewing that way. Yeah, it just to me is a little more consistent right a little safer yeah and my team doesn't have my roster doesn't have any of those characters that do unfair things with extracts right i've got no way like i can chase down extract runners like black cat through a combination of thanos with his ridiculous mobility and portals and um deception on mystique but that's like it's okay but it's not superb right and i don't have any of those tools myself Dr. Voodoo was a character who I had in this roster for a while. I ended up cutting, but I could see bringing him back in. Um, so I think while I can play that game fine, it's not like a great plan A for me, like some of those other crises are. So I, I like the roster. Obviously, you did really well with it. We've talked. You've hinted. You've talked about a few things you think you'd want to change. So give me us. Give us one or two things. What's your short list of things that you think you would update if you were going to try to run this roster again? Sure. So for characters, Angela is a character who I never played. So she could certainly be cut. I love Angela. She's excellent. She's really good in Guardians. She makes great use of lovable misfits. She makes better use of Crew of the Milano than any other Guardian. And um, she is superb with winging at tokens. Um I've taken Angela in lots of other lists. Um, she was the re the primary reason why I won TTS season four because in Wakanda she just did crazy things. Um, but she overlaps really heavily with Thanos, and I was kind of just binging on Thanos this weekend. I don't think you need both, right? Um, so I would happily cut her. Um, and in particular, just to emphasize what I mean, I talked a lot already, right, about how my crisis plans meant that people can't take the center of the table. Angela is another character that's really good on central table extracts. And you just you just don't need to, you just don't need both of them. You can never really afford to run both, although I guess in theory you could. Yeah, you don't need to. So Angela's big thing for everyone is she quickly moves to the center of the table, grabs something, and then can safely get away, right? She'd actually be mm -hmm. a good counter pick into your guardians should be excellent right? yeah. because she and uh uh big spidey are some mm -hmm. of the models who can get there grab something and then run away and thanos has a much harder time dogging them down right but you don't need to project that since you have another way of controlling the middle of the board and that is if you come here i'm just gonna kill you absolutely so i do think angela is a great choice but in the list in the way i played her i never played her so she's certainly on the chopping block um the core guardians, Groot, Rocket, and Star Lord, for me, are the the best core. They're like the premium core. Because then you get to play Deadly Duo, which is excellent. You have the wonderful synergies between Rocket and Groot, and Star Lord is just good. Um But the other Guardians I had, Drax and Nebula, were both absolutely fine, but came in less frequently. 
I don't think you want to cut them. You know, there's always that there's a lower bar for entry with affiliated choices, especially cheap ones. And they both saw play. Um, but if you really disliked them or you had something else you wanted, I could see swapping them out. Uh, the same is true for Winter Soldier. But I just want to emphasize how good Winter Soldier is now. I think he's really slept on. He's just a great character. And he's a rogue agent. And because I don't love the affiliated cards in Guardians, that's basically no cost at all. Right? It's totally fine to be a rogue agent. He might as well be affiliated. Um, but in particular, in Guardians, I like his synergy with winging it tokens on his rifle that has a rapid fire trigger and a bleed trigger and can fire out of activation is immense. Um, but in addition to that, um, he's really good for doing all of the Guardian's plans that are, if you do something aggressively, I'll advance forward and shoot you. And he does that really well, better than almost any other three threat. Um, so his damage output is great. And I would rather have, for example, on um, on Demon's Downtown, I would rather have Winter Soldier, Rocket, Star-Lord as my core than any of the other Guardians. It's like, I'm not going to stand on points. I'm just going to shoot you dead. Um, and um, his reroll mechanic is overlooked. And I love the fact that you can just double advance him onto a central secure and you put him literally on top of the point. And then anyone that comes to fight him has to deal with rerolls on his defense and rerolls on his attack. And then he hits so hard and he's just, he just wins a lot of one-on-one -on -one fights. So Winter Soldier is great. Um, Mystique, I only used a couple of times. She has a lot of cute little synergies that add up. Um, winging it tokens are great on her rapid fire trigger. Um, they're great on her martial artist defenses, counting blanks. Um, Guardians wants a fast objective runner. They don't have enough of those. So her long movement is really valuable. And Guardians have very little terrain destruction because Angelou and Drax are their only two and their characters I played a bit less. So she ticks a lot of boxes. Um, obviously her shapeshifter ability is also great because my roster is capable of stacking a lot of damage buffs, right? And then you can't use defensive abilities. So she's really good for fighting through things like Wicked's Judgment, um, Heroes for Hire, just raising defenses, bodyguards. I had a particular game where I was fighting against Midnight Suns and I had Mystique with a hammer and a Wingiet token getting bonus dice from Thanos. And she was able to murder Moon Knight without Ghost Rider being able to use Wicked's Judgment. And she did it so efficiently, I had to, I had an action left. And I was like, I guess I'll attack Ghost Rider. And then she killed Ghost Rider. Um, and he would have been able to live with Bats the Ghost Hound, but he wasn't able to use that either. So um, really, really strong character. But the problem with her is she's unaffiliated. And um, once you've added Thanos, it's hard. You have to be like 19 threat or above to get both. So she could get cut. Toad was my uh, last character. He's the third two threat. I think having a variety of two threats is important, especially because Nebula can't interact. So you can choose between, do I want the fighty two threat in Nebula or do I want to care about crises? I take Toad. And I like having those two extremes. Um, but Toad could be any other two threat character. Um, I think the two threat though is important. So you can have as wide a team as possible with Thanos if that's something you want. All right, we talked a little bit about your your crisis change. What about tactics to round us out here, Pat? I know you talked about um, misfits. Would you keep that in? 
Um, it was the card that was the most disappointing for me, so I would be willing to cut it, but I feel so bad not taking Misfits. It's so fun to play, and it's just kind of like, I don't know, it's just so thematic and so cool. Uh, but yeah, from a competitive point of view, because I was running Thanos, I would cut it. If you don't feel the need to crutch so hard on Thanos, it's better, but it's still super random. Um, it is really good in a lot of the crises I've selected, where once characters bunch up, it's at its best. So it's really good on like Gamma and Research Station. Yeah, for that guaranteed damage whenever you roll it. So yeah, I can definitely see that. So congrats again, Pat. It sounds like a really fun event. Um, is there going to be another one next year? Is it going to be an annual thing, do you know? Um, I think we're still finding our feet with Marvel events in the UK and probably all over. Um, what will happen for sure is we will continue to have bigger and better MCP events. Um, whether or not Spring into Marvel will be a regular thing, I'm not sure. But um, we will certainly have a lot of things going on. And I just wanted to take this opportunity to thank Tony for putting on such an excellent event and really doing his part to build the community. Awesome. So I'm glad you had a great time at the event. I'm excited to get to a bigger event here in the States. I just haven't made it out to one yet. We do want to thank each and every one of you for listening. Patrons, thank you so much. Sorry, I've been delayed and kind of updating stuff. Uh, life's been real busy, but hopefully it's settling down now. Uh, let us know in the Discord who Pat should dress up as, as his next uh, cosplay, going to one of these events. That'll be a lot of fun. Uh, patrons, stay tuned for the after the credit scenes. We don't know what we're going to talk about yet, but we're going to talk about something. It's a bonus episode we offer every week for our patrons. So until uh, next time, everyone, cheers. And happy gaming. Somewhere across the Bifrost way up high there's a part that I've heard of once in a lullaby Somewhere across the Bifrost skies are blue And the dreams that you dare to dream really do come true